Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. While he's hanging on the cross, we're talking about his story. Matthew 27, 45 tells us, For three hours, Jesus hung there from 12 to 3 p.m. There was complete darkness over the land. Jesus breaks the silence and says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Or, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And then he said, I thirst. And then he said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Mark chapter 16 tells us Pilate gave the body of Jesus to Joseph. So Nicodemus and Joseph take the body of Jesus down from the cross, and listen, this was no small task. This was no small task taking that body down. Someone had to pull the first nail out. Are you with me? And, And someone had to pull the second nail out. And then they had to hold up the body and take the spike out of his feet. At this point, they're covered in blood. And they were determined and defiant to take Jesus down. Getting someone down from the cross wasn't easy. You had to be determined and defiant. And might I say to you today, following God, you have to be determined and be defiant. Well, get the scene. They're asking Jesus, they're taking Jesus down slowly and with dignity and with love and they gently laid his dead body on the ground and they prepared the body and they washed the hair that was matted with blood and they had to remove the crown of thorns that sometimes broke off in his head and they had to wash the spit that was left over on his face and roll him over and wash his back that was shredded from the scourging. And Jesus is no longer in the hands of hateful men. Now the father has committed his son into the hands of loving and caring men. Joseph had purchased a new tomb for his family in a beautiful garden. Listen, I believe that God had Joseph purchase that tomb for his family because God knew that Jesus would need it. Of course, he only needed it for the weekend, but he needed it. It was a rental. He needed it. Interesting. From a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. Matthew 27 tells us they laid Jesus in Joseph's new tomb and Pilate sets a guard at the tomb. Very interesting. They laid him in the tomb, and they sealed it, and a Roman guard was placed at the tomb to guard it. Isn't it interesting that Roman guards are guarding a dead man? Turn with me to John chapter 20. Look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. 
Amen. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and they saw the stone had been taken away from the, from the tomb. And then she ran, and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. Now remember, John was writing this. So John wants us to know that he runs faster than Peter. Out ran Peter and came to the tomb first. Well, he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, and yet he had not, not gone in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. And then, verse 10, the disciples went away again to their own homes. Notice the Bible. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice the Bible tells us now, early in the morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And they found, as you put the scriptures together, they found a two and a half ton, eight feet high, 12 inch thick stone that was rolled away, that usually takes 20 men to roll that stone. And the stone, listen, was rolled away, and Jesus had already walked out of the tomb. Now the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so the women and the disciples could look in and see that he is risen. The stone was rolled away because God knew in ages to come, that man would question whether he really rose up out of that tomb. Listen, I've been to Israel probably 17 or 18 times now, and each time we go, we go to the tomb and we look in there. And I can tell you, I've seen it with my own eyes, there's nobody in that tomb. That tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the grave. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. He rose from that, from that, from that tomb. So then the question is, why did he do it? Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus rise? Well, for many reasons. One, Jesus died to offer men the forgiveness of sins. Jesus died to bring us into fellowship with him because our sin broke fellowship. You see, the Bible teaches when you were born in the world, you were born D-O-A, dead on arrival. And because of the fall, Adam and Eve sinned, and now that sin nature is in your DNA, and every man from that point on is a sinner who needs a Savior. And so God, knowing that, sent us Jesus to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to give, to sacrifice his life, that we might be saved, and that we might have fellowship with him again. Jesus died to give us peace with God and the peace of God. Jesus died so that we could have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. On Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose, he got the victory over sin, Satan, sickness, the devil, disease, and death. Somebody say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 54 and 55, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? 
The resurrection, listen, separates Christianity from every other world religion. Am I right about it? It separates Christianity and, listen, the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. Paul said, for if Christ be not risen, then my faith is in vain. If Christ isn't risen, then all that he went through was in vain. If Christ is not risen, then the disciples lost their lives and their families' lives in vain. If Christ be not risen, then why are you at Dorton Arena today? The fact is Jesus suffered, bled, and died to cleanse us from our sin, and he rose again. Think about that. Just one drop of Jesus' blood can forgive you and cleanse you of your sin forever. One drop. One drop of Jesus' blood can change your life. One drop of Jesus' blood can transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light just like that. His story is a story of God who left the glories of heaven to come down to a stinky, smelly, dirty earth and take on the form of man, walk 33 years on the earth as a man, be hated by men, the very men that he came to love, be hated by men, and love them, and heal them, and cleanse them, and forgave them, and they in turn beat him and crucified him to a cross. And then he died. And then three, count them, one, two, three, days later, this same Jesus rose again from the grave and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. Can I tell you something? There is no one, listen to me, there is no one compared to Jesus. There is no one like Jesus. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven. Come on, I want you to clap your hands better than that. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no way. Listen, Pastor Rodney didn't write this. If I had it my way, everybody go to heaven. Everybody. But I didn't write it. I didn't come up with the rules. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. You can't get to heaven unless you get to heaven through Jesus Christ. There's no one compared to Jesus. Jesus loves you today. Listen, if you don't take anything away from this sermon, then please take this. God loves you. And he loves you just like you is. He loves you just like you are. And he says, come to me just like you are. Again, this separates Christianity from every other world religion because every other world religion says go and clean yourself up, fix your life, 
and then come back and you can be a part of our religion. Jesus says, come to me just as you are with all your baggage, with all your problems, with all your discouragement, with all your divorce, with all your, pro- your situations. And he says, give them to me. Cast your cares upon me. I care for you, Jesus says. And he says, and, and I'll give you, he says, you give me a heavy yoke and I'll give you a light one. This separates Jesus. No one compared to Jesus. And no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. Think about that. Just his name. Think about his name. The name of Jesus. For some people, his name invokes anger. Not unless you say Jesus. But other than that, for some people, his name invokes anger. His name is sweet. There's no name like Jesus' name. Think about it. Your name, John. Your name, Mike. Adam. Lucas. There's no power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Samuel. Think about the name. This is a name. Rodney. There's a ring to that name. Rodney, that just comes off your lips. You know, I told my wife a long time ago, I told her, I said, honey, you may have a relationship with another man as long as his name is Jesus. Amen. Absolutely, you may love another man more than me as long as his name is Jesus. Now, if his name is Jesus, we have a problem. Are you feeling me? As long as his name is Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. Where am I saying that? There's power in the name of Jesus. Think about this. Listen to this. Somebody wrote this. No one compared to Jesus. He came from the bosom of the father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. He became the son of man that we might become the sons of God. He was born contrary to the law of nature. He lived in poverty, was reared in obscurity. He only once crossed the boundaries of the land of which he was born and that in his childhood. He had no wealth or influence. He had neither training nor education in the world's schools. His relatives were inconspicuous and uninfluential. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the billow and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book, and yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that were written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he furnished a theme for more songs than all the songwriters together. He never founded a college, and yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he's had. He's never preached, he never practiced medicine, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors have healed broken bones. Amen. This Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy, the rock of genealogy, the the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discord and the healer of all diseases. Throughout history, great men have come and gone, and yet he lives on. 
Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. And what I want you to understand today is the babe born in Bethlehem grew up. And he lived as a man. And he walked the earth and he loved and he taught and he cried and he laughed and they beat him and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him and they nailed him to a tree and he died and he was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And my question to you as I close is, do you believe this? Do you? Listen, I want you to ask yourself what I just said All I just shared with you in these few moments, do you believe this? Do you believe that someday you will die and you will stand before God? Do you believe that you're a sinner and in need of salvation? We're all sinners, for there's none righteous, not even one, the Bible says. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And if you believe that, well, then you've got to respond to that. And you need to do it today. You know, last Sunday we were talking in church about Israel and how they missed their day of visitation. Everybody has a day of visitation. In other words, everybody has a day in which God comes to them. Listen, look at me, please. God comes to them and he knocks on the door of their heart. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man open the door, the door handle is on your side. He will come in and sup with you, dine with you, be with you, live with you, and you with him. Do you believe that? For some, today is your day of visitation. If you believe that, then the Bible says that there is no middle ground. You either believe it or you don't. Say amen. You either believe it or you don't. And if you believe it, then you've got to do something about it. There's no gray area in the kingdom of God. Jesus says you've got to confess him with your mouth. You've got to confess him. And for some of you, I know that God has been calling you, that God has been knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you heard another sermon and the preacher gave an altar call and you said, well, maybe next time. And you heard a different sermon and the preacher gave an uh, altar call and you said, well, maybe next time. Listen, those are your days of visitation. And for Israel, they had one final day of visitation of which they missed. And the Bible says that Jesus wept over that. And he prophesied destruction over them because they missed their day of visitation. The Bible says if you hear the voice of God, today is a day of salvation. Harden not your heart. Don't harden your heart against Jesus. God loves you. God's got a plan for you. And all that you're going through, God can help you with that. What am I saying to that? God can help you with that. He wants to help you. But in order for him to help you, you, you have got to look. God has done his part in that he sent his son to die for you and he suffered plenty. We went through all of that and he went to the cross. We went through all that. He did his part. Now you need to do your part.
and your part is to simply come to him, to take your hand and reach out and say, God, I want you in my life. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven, that is? Well, if you do, the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. Don't miss your day of visitation. If God is speaking to your heart right now and you're not saved and you feel like when I was preaching, something just kind of uh, in your heart or it's like, oh, oh, man, oh. Thank God for that because that's the Holy Spirit still working on you. Do you know there'll come a time, the Bible talks about there can come a time when the Holy Spirit will stop speaking to you? Where he'll stop touching, where he'll stop knocking on the door of your heart because you've rejected him so many times. You've now hardened your heart so many times that God knows that you won't ever turn to him. And so he stops speaking. If you feel the touch of God today, that means the spirit of God is still speaking to you. Are you saved? Do you know that if you took your last breath today, do you know if you took your last breath today, on this earth, your next breath would be in the presence of God. Do you know that? If you don't, then you need to be saved. Have you made a commitment to Christ? I'm not talking about have you been baptized. I'm not talking about have you given money to the church. Listen, stop giving money to the church if you're not saved. Now, you ain't going to hear many preachers tell you that, are you? Uh-uh, you ain't going to hear that. Stop, keep your money, keep your checkbook, keep your wallet. Don't try to pay God off. Y'all ain't hear me. Don't try to pay God off. Give God your heart first. And when you give him your heart, guess what will happen? He'll have your wallet because he has your heart. Does he have your heart? Are you saved? Maybe you've been saved. But you've been backslidden, and you've not been walking with God. And you know you should. You know God has better things for you and a better life for you. You know that. You remember when you first got saved and the feeling of joy you had and the feeling of peace you had and the feeling of love you had. I remember that feeling. January 23rd, 1982. At the Friendly Church of God in Christ in Oceanside, California at 7.30 p.m. on San Diego Street. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That was 33 years ago. Today, 33 years ago. And, and I'll never forget it. The next morning I woke up with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. God changed my life. I'm telling you, God changed my life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I was on drugs. I'm telling you that I did many bad things. I'm telling you that when God came into my life on that Saturday evening, Sunday morning, I wasn't the same. He changed me. Remember that feeling that you had when you first got saved? And somehow you veered off. Somehow, I don't know. Pastor, I don't know. I don't know. Where, where, I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know. Somehow I took a left or I got involved with that guy or I got involved with that girl or that situation and things began to 
And that's where I got off. God wants you to get back on track today. Today is your day of visitation. Don't harden your heart. Bow your heads and your hearts. Father, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we love you today. And we thank you for your great love toward us. We thank you for the spirit of God that lives within us. And we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God. Saints, I need you praying. We thank you for the spirit of God to sweep over this room and touch the hearts of your people. Lord, there's somebody here that needs to be saved today. There's somebody here that needs your help today. There's somebody here today that needs a touch from you today. And Father, I pray that they would hear the voice of God and they would respond in faith. Father, that they would give their hearts to you. And they, like me, would feel that change and know that there's a change. You love them. So much you died for them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.